On this week's episode, Renfield takes a bite into the box office. HBO and Discovery take it to the max. And is the Night Agent Netflix's biggest success so far of 2023? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and of course, everyone out there at the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that magical five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, where if you subscribe today, you'll get the latest notifications of when we go live on the air with our latest and greatest shows and interviews. Plus, also as well, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos, and really, of course, the great folks at Vampires and Vitae, of course, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and everything that Melinda and Robbie does for us here with the number of awesome tabletop RPG games that you can catch now. If you want to go ahead and catch all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind behind so much of what we do here at Pop Culture Cosmos, including all the fun for tabletop RPG action, including Wizards and Wine, Vampires and Vitae, and my, is that prophetic on today's show, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is. Melinda Barkhouse Ross and come on, come on, Melinda Barkhouse Ross, come on, come on. Great to have you here again, my friend. Good to see you, bud. How are you? I'm doing okay. I've just been busy trying to get everything going here for a great weekend of stuff going on with pop culture. A lot of good things that are going down. Very busy, as you indicated, because I. You know, halfway through the week, I try to start sending you feelers on what we might be talking about and mm-hmm. some things that you might want to throw at me. And you were just like, wow, all that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, real slow week in pop culture news this week. Real slow. Yeah, real slow indeed. <laughs> of course, we're going to be talking about the major news, which is the combination and the combining finally will happen officially of Discovery Plus and also as well HBO Max to become one entity known as Max. We'll go ahead and share thoughts on that here in a little bit. Plus a lot of the shows, both controversial and really cool, that they announced is coming along the way to the new Max channel coming out in later May, in around May 23rd. So we're going to go ahead and talk about that. Plus also as well, there's so much to talk about when it concerns Renfield. <laughs> 
as Nicolas Cage takes up the mantle of Count Dracula and Nicholas Hold plays the mantle of Redfield. How is it doing as far as critical reception? We'll go ahead and talk about that as far as a movie that is going to challenge some of the movies out there, but not Super Mario in the second weekend. And we'll explain why coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, The Night Agent on Netflix. That's also been very hot this year. How hot has it been? We'll talk about the success story of that. Plus also some Diablo 4 news, Final Fantasy 16 news, and so much more. Melinda, are you ready to rock and roll on another great episode we've got going on today? I'm ready. Let's do this. Well, fair enough indeed, my friend. But it all starts off with the Max Channel debuting. It was fully announced yesterday as far as when it's going to happen, how much it is going to be. There are some things I'm really not liking about it already because the Max Channel combines all the good stuff from Discovery Plus and all the good stuff from HBO and HBO Max all into one entity. So I wanted to ask you this. Have you been able to look at some of the things? And before I go run down the prices of this new streaming service, actually, it's not kind of a new streaming service. This is a combined streaming service. I want to hear your thoughts, though, on the Max channel as it debuts later on in May. Well, I mean, we've been talking for a minute about, you know, the the need for uh, some of these that maybe haven't hit as well as uh, they had hoped to start combining and uh, start having a bit more of a presence. I know HBO has an incredible library on HBO Max. I'm not trying to say that they don't. Um, but this just offers a, a little bit more of a uh, broad range of interest uh, that could bring people to the app that had never been on uh, HBO Max before. Well, again, that's that's obviously the goal is to get more concurrent users because yeah. they were closing in on 100 million subscribers last time I checked as far as themselves, HBO Max. So this getting the Discovery Plus users in there, combining it all, should make it even more powerful entity. Uh, I know that HBO Max, when we thought they were starting to really do well coming off the day and dates, that was very controversial during the pandemic period. Yeah. And then we thought they were doing well with all the great shows. Then all of a sudden they announced that they were losing money hand over fist and mm -hmm. they made the decisions that they made, the Batgirl movie, uh, some other things that they canceled. Actually, they dropped several dozen shows and movies yeah. off their their playlist which was very surprising even looney tunes was affected by it, which i was very hurt by it but again they've streamlined it they're gonna go ahead and repackage it they're gonna go ahead and debut it on may 23rd the pricing is i think starting off with a 9.99 a month or 99 dollars a year max ad light so it only gives you a few ads right right so, so there you go. I, I don't so know. So what? Two, two minute and a half long ads? <laughs> I mean, if it's anything like YouTube, I can deal with it. If it's like commercial television and it's eight minutes every 30 minutes, that's something I'm going to have a problem with. Yeah. Max ad free is $16 a month or $150 a year. That's for two concurrent streams at 1080, which bothers me greatly that you you get you have to pay $150 a year and you don't even get 4K. Yeah. You do get surround sound on all these options but my friend not having 4K on the $16 a month 
is not very good to me. I really think that that Disney Plus at least gives you that 4K HDR option at that price point. Yeah, that that seems a, a little stingy, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's really, really is disturbing to me that that's the case. And I last time I had HBO Max, I did have the 4K option. And there were movies that I took advantage of it, especially, you know, I have a 4K television in the living room. I really enjoy watching a, a you know, sometimes I've actually waited for movies to come out and not seen in the box office because I know it's going to look really good on my television. Right. And to know you have to go into the top end, which is Max Ultimate Ad Free, which is four concurrent streams, $19.99 a month or $200 a year. That one is the one that gets you the 4K Ultra Resolution. Dolby Atmos sound quality, which is a bit, little bit better sound quality than the 5.1 surround sound. I just, it's really disappointing to me that it's going to take so much to get back as far as HBO is concerned. And, and again, it's all dependent on the concurrent shows that they have running and they do usually have quality shows. And we'll talk about those in a minute, but your thoughts on the new pricing structure for the max channel coming on May 23rd. Honestly, for the amount of time that I spend on HBO Max, I would probably just opt for the bottom tier with the ads. Um, it's only the apps uh, or the services, I guess, however you want to put it, uh, that I really spend a lot of time on that I will pony up the extra couple of bucks and go ad free. I did that for Hulu, which was honestly the best thing that I could have done because the Hulu commercials are atrocious. Um, and, and they uh, know it, too. They sure do. And I really do think that there is some kind of like very, this is my tinfoil hat theory. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I believe that there is some kind of algorithm that they are testing on people to see how long and how bad they can make an ad for before people start to get antsy and touch their remotes and try to skip or move to a different show or, or whatever. I really do think that there is some kind of diabolical plan in there uh, that's doing some kind of big time following on all across all of these platforms to see how many ads they can push through to us uh, before we start to get antsy and uh, we touch the remote or the controller or however you're watching your television. I I'll do. That's my tinfoil hat theory. But I will say, though, some of the packages that they talked about, obviously, the, you know, when you announce this channel, you got to go ahead and make sure that you have some some big names that mm -hmm. are going to support it. Big shows are going to support it. So they did announce or debut trailers or announcements for things such as The Penguin, which has been the long standing Matt Reeves uh, TV the Batman verse show that's going to be debuting down the line. It had a in-production video of that showing Colin Farrell as the penguin. Uh, they talked about uh, the regime, which is a new series coming out. They also talked about true detective with Jodie Foster exploring a murder or mystery in the depths of Alaska. Uh, they also talked about a Big Bang Theory that is going to have a spinoff, especially made for the Max channel. And then last but certainly not least was the most controversial, mm -hmm. that a Harry Potter show, which we'd already talked about on this show, Harry Potter series was confirmed with J.K. Rowling as an executive producer overseeing the project and something that they indicated would be a series that they're probably going to 
hang on to for quite some time. They talked about it possibly being up to a 10-year journey on that. Your thoughts on the shows that they mentioned, obviously starting off with Harry Potter, the most controversial, the one that's gotten the most noise, but... You know, of course, it is all about the content when we talk about these channels, these streaming outlets. Your thoughts on the stuff that's coming up on the way to the Max channel. See, here's the thing that's beautiful about all of this stuff. If you don't like something about a show, you have the power to put your vote and make your voice heard by simply not watching it. If it is something that you are into, then by all means, watch the show assuming at this point that everyone is pretty well educated in in the you know the backstory of everything that's been going on i've not been interested in harry potter I, you know i i was harry potter harry i know potter. i was i was just at the front not even the front end i was like 3 or 4 years too far past when Harry Potter started to come out. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, it's never really appealed to me. Yes, I have watched the movies. Beyond that, I really don't care about Harry Potter all that much. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that, that's the truth. So I personally, just because of that, probably won't be tuning into the Harry Potter show. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in my house that do seem to enjoy it. So I will probably end up catching an episode or two, despite my efforts to avoid. When it comes to uh, the regime, I think that looks hilarious. I'm very excited for that. Very tongue-in-cheek satire kind of stuff. I love satire humor. I think it's great. So I'm excited for that. And uh, Jodie Foster in True Detective. Heck yes, bring that on because I, I love to see her in these difficult, dramatic roles that I think she does so well. Kate Winslet is uh, starring in the series The Regime about a yes. head of state and all the problems that they're creating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it was a U.S. representative trying to meet with her and then it became very snippy and and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of controversies behind the scenes. It's very foul mouth, but also something we're very used to seeing if you're used to seeing secession. So some of the people that are responsible for the hit series secession are are leaning on this one. So that, again, I think, like you said, that one's going to be probably a very popular series on mm -hmm. the network when it debuts later this year. But I will say, though, that they are also debuting the latest Shazam movie on may 23rd to kick off everything i know that it didn't get a lot of love in the box office but you know like we say sometimes maybe a lot of people were waiting for it to hit streaming outlets at least you know now that to kick off the max channel shazam will be following up right on may 23rd yeah i have a feeling that it's going to do all right comparatively to how it did in the box office when it hits the streaming platform. I, I think it's going to do fine that way. I just don't, uh, I don't know how many people were intrigued enough by the movie, I guess, to, you know, have to put on pants and leave the house. <laughs> Who does that? Well, again, this was a movie I think that was uh, DOA because yeah. of what the DC has already set up. And even if Shazam, Zachary Levi's character lives on, in this new DC universe that's upcoming in the next couple of years, it still seems like all of these movies, uh, you know, that we've talked about again, are kind of DOA until we get to James Gunn's real vision coming up here soon. And I know I'm not talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 next month, I'm talking about his movies that he has planned for the DC universe coming up in a couple of years after all these other productions are done. But we'll wait and see. I know that will be a big part of the Max channel. Are those DC Universe movies and television series going forward? 
But overall, your final thoughts for now, your final first impressions on on the Max channel is, is, you know, do you think that they can now are in a level where they can compete on an equal plane with Netflix, Disney Plus, even Amazon Prime? I still don't think they're quite there. I think that this is a giant step to them getting closer to being able to climb into the ring. But uh, I still don't think it's quite there. But, you know, we also don't know what else they have uh, in the works and what else they're planning. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch and follow along with this and and see where they're able to take it. I, you know, of course, uh, just want to see more things succeed because the more things succeed, the more choice we get as consumers. And that's a good thing. What are your thoughts out there on the new Max channel debuting on May 23rd with all new pricing tiers all new content on the way. Do you think it's going to, by the end of, let's say, 2024, do you think by the end of 2024 or end of 2025, it will be on an equal plane subscriber-wise with Netflix? Please let us know your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, at the box office this weekend, we're still trying to get a movie for you to go ahead and get on out to the theaters in. We thought we had one with John Wick. We thought we had one with some Dungeons and Dragons, which I yeah. thought was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers. No, that didn't do the trick, even yeah. though it has been amassing a absolute fortune and exceeding all expectations on its way to probably a billion dollars. We'll wait and see for sure. But it sure is heck having one heck of a time getting to the box office records because it's one of the biggest animated features of all time. But in the middle of all that, and the fact it is going to win this weekend's box office, there are new movies that are coming out. One is kind of a tongue-in-cheek movie based off of the vampire world in, in, in Renfield. And then also an Exorcist movie coming out starring Russell Crowe. And I'll get you the title on that in a sec. But first off, it is Renfield. I know you've been wanting to talk about it quite some time. We actually kind of glossed over it and overlooked it kind of on our preview, our box office preview for the spring months. Yes. And Nicolas Cage plays Count Dracula to Nicholas Hold, who I think has been a very good actor. You might know him from the X-Men as B, some other things as well. But he's a very good up-and-coming actor. He's he's on the cusp of probably being a, a big star himself. He plays the title role of Renfield. Aquafina is in it. And I like the concept. Everything that seems about in the trailer works for me. Nicholas Cage seems like he's going to be a really good Dracula. Nicholas Holt is Renfield, the long-suffering individual, the right-hand man, so to speak, that that gets this unnatural powers of living and, and super strength in order to help out first Count Dracula and then fight Count Dracula. Your thoughts on this? I think that for me, it's been great so far as far as the trailers are concerned, but then you check out the reviews and the review scores. That unfortunately has not been so fun to look at. Well, you know, 
that's fair. Uh, but also not, I I don't know what I'm expecting with Nick Cage as Dracula, but if it is not a completely unhinged Nicolas Cage playing a vampire, I'm going to be incredibly disappointed. I want him to go to like Nick Cage extremes in this movie. And I hope that that's what, why it's scoring low because not everybody enjoys Nick Cage when he's unhinged. So that's a, that's a consideration to take when you're looking at some of these reviews. I think that uh, the story ideas uh, to me is a little soft, but you know, interesting enough that if there, if it comes on a streaming service and there's nothing else to watch, I would probably put it on. Who am I kidding? As soon as it goes to a streaming service, I'm going to watch it. Uh, it's not enough uh, to get me into a theater, but it is enough to uh, have me keeping an eye on when it is planning to come to a streaming service. Okay. Cause the reason why I'm asking is <laughs> because this movie it had all the earmarks of being possibly a sleeper hit and something that could really do well at the box office this weekend. But the mixed reviews so far, do you think that will hold it back from success? Nah, I think the people who this movie appeals to have been let down by critics before, you know, as in don't go see this movie, it's terrible. And then you go to see it and it's a fantastic movie. Sometimes I don't think the critics understand exactly the intention of a film. And and I think that the intention of this film is again just to show Nick Cage unhinged. I really do. I, I think it's there. It's a it's a pass for Nick Nick Cage to be as big and wild as he wants to be. And I realize that he's not even like a major. I mean, he's a big part of the movie, but he's probably not going to have the same amount of screen time as Renfield, which completely makes sense. But you know, those moments where he does come on the screen, I have a pretty good feeling he's going to steal the scene every time. Well, the the thing was, though, the unbearable weight of massive talent last year was supposed to have been that movie. You know, he was unhinged quite a bit in that movie. It was actually got somewhat favorable reviews. I watched it. I liked it. I yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. Movie. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a box office hit by any stretch of the imagination, which it was very, terribly disappointing to me seeing Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal together just as the Pedro Pascal verse was really starting to take off. And unfortunately there, there wasn't the big demand for this movie because it got snowed under because it came out right in the middle of some other movies coming out right around it. So we see that often. What is the case? In fact, now I think Dungeons and Dragons is going to be, unfortunately at this point in time, not able to extend its life in universe simply because of the fact I think that it got, snowed under by a lot of different movies john wick and super mario brothers to say the least but when it comes to renfield renfield is going to be something i think i will probably catch at home but definitely be something that want to see but there's also more movies that are coming out this weekend i want to go ahead and mention pope's exorcist with russell crowe i don't know about this my friend normally this would be something that if you put it the right spot maybe first part of the year when it's the only movie that's coming out in that particular weekend it could steal a weekend because of its themes but bring out right now bringing out a formerly big star in russell crowe who i'm not gonna say is hit gerard butler made for dvd video movie level yet but he's on his way your thoughts on this, my friend, because unfortunately it looks like this movie is going to get snowed under as well. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't enjoy horror movies. 
I really don't. Um, I just watched 28 Days Haunted. Have you watched that on Netflix yet? I'm surprised it's going to come back down to topic. Anyway, I was fine until I got to the very last episode where they were like spending their 28th night or whatever in the haunted places that they're there to investigate. And uh, I was watching it like this through my fingers, like, and uh, I had to turn it off. I couldn't do it. So the likelihood of me going to see The Pope's Exorcist in theaters is very slim. However, this is one that I would attempt to watch at home because I find there's something fascinating about this being based in reality. The original Exorcist was so good. To me, it's a lot like Akira. The original was so good, mm. it's really hard to go ahead and duplicate that kind of success. You know, Linda Blair, you know, her neck like just going mm-hmm. all the way around that that awesome scene that it, it doesn't look as good as it did then, but still the effect at that time on audiences, people were just like talking about that for years afterwards. So when it comes to what we're seeing with the Pope's exorcist, yeah, that's not uh, really, that, it just seems like that is not going to be able to probably connect with audiences. Neither is Mafia Mama. I think just the name Mafia Mama, people Excuse are going to be. Excuse me, but Mafia Mama looks like a masterpiece. It, it looks like it's a lot of fun. You. We need that kind of comedy right now. We need absurd okay. comedy right now. Go see okay. that movie. Go see that all one. Right. All right. All right. Well, Mafia Mama, it is. Then I, I, I'm just going to say that it is also not been heavily advertised. That's something in its to its detriment. So unless you're entertainment fiends like we are, you may not even know that it's coming out this weekend. Yeah, that's a good point. Good, good point. Maybe they're, maybe they're expecting it to go kind of slow in the box office. So they've been kind of low key on promoting it. And they're going to save that for when they pull the movie and put it onto streaming services. I don't know. I feel like I'm deferring a lot to streaming services today. Okay. Would you be a mafia mama? Would, would I, I would be a mafia ma'am. Okay. Yeah, nobody right. would call me mama. It would be yes, ma'am. Okay. Is Robbie your hitman? No comment. Okay. <laughs> Don't tell the authorities, indeed. But it is Mafia Mama, The Pope's Exorcist, Renfield are the new movies challenging Super Mario Brothers, which, again, based off of its performance and exceeding expectations, I don't think any one of them is going to come close to Super Mario Brothers, even in the second week. We've still got John Wick 4. We've still even got Dungeons & Dragons, which I hope people give it a chance. But again, with all these new movies coming out each and every week, Dungeons & Dragons starts to fall a little bit lower and lower and lower in people, people's priority lists as far as checking out and just saying, okay, when does it come out on Paramount Plus? We'll go ahead and catch it then. But we'll see what happens. But it is, of course, like I said, Renfield. We want to know your thoughts on Renfield and if it's really something you want to go ahead and check out. If Nicolas Cage's over-the-top performance as Count Dracula could be one of the best ever playing the role. So that's what we want to know. And Nick, and also, Nicholas Holt, so let us know if this guy is on the cusp of superstardom as well. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we hit the break, my friend, real quick, your thoughts on what's going on this week with the mandalorian just get some simple thoughts on it because you know coming out of star wars celebration the review so far for season three has been mixed we talked about it a lot last week when it concerns them comparing mandalorian to picard 
A lot of the Star Wars fans feel the same way as I do. I mean, coming off of a better episode this week than last, your thoughts real quickly on The Mandalorian before we head to the break. I'm just getting the feeling with The Mandalorian that they're they're expanding The Mandalorian's uh, universe um, by giving us all of these different uh, storylines and, and plot lines. And I think that it's an indication, at least the way that I'm reading it, uh, that they are planning on The Mandalorian for multiple more seasons, not just one more season and we'll see how we do, one more season and we'll see how they do, how we do. Um, I think that a lot of this stuff really is just giving us samples of, of things that uh, are going to come back around uh, as the show continues. Well, it's going to tie itself into the Ahsoka movie. Yeah. Uh, there's talk about the skeleton crew being tied into it as well. It's all going to lead up to a Dave Filoni movie, whether that movie is a trilogy or just a single movie. We'll wait and see. But it's all going to lead into the movies when everything in the Dave Filoni universe. We'll just call it the Dave Filoni universe. All comes together. The Star Wars Rebels universe and all that all comes together on screen. So yes, we'll probably see a few more seasons of The Mandalorian before it gets to that point and migrates to the box office. But yeah, I agree with you on that. And that The Mandalorian right now is busy trying to do a lot. Yeah. And introducing you to a whole bunch of other things. And I think a lot of people are not liking that aspect of it. But again, they get their Mando and their Grogu, hopefully, when it comes to them being able to focus the story on them once again. Yeah, and I think that uh, that obviously uh, they're aware <laughs> of that and that that's what people want to see. So the fact that they're they're taking the time to show uh, all of this other stuff happening really to me is just, you know, that indication that they're building the foundation right now for something bigger. What are your thoughts out there on The Mandalorian Season 3 with one episode, I believe, that's left? We'll see what happens, and we'll talk about The Mandalorian Season Finale next week. But let us know your thoughts on The Mandalorian Season 3. Has it been everything that you thought it would be going into Season 3? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go right here at the PCC Multiverse. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross, the mastermind behind of all the tabletop RPG action that we do here. Also got to make sure you check out what she does with Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond the Witchlight with Wizards of Wine, and so much more. Go ahead and subscribe today to all the podcasts, plus also the YouTube channels as well. She is furiously trying to edit together all the shows that she can in order to go ahead and provide all the content out there for you. So go ahead and please check it out and support her any way you can. It is truly appreciated. She and Robbie do a great job each and every time out. So go ahead and check them out. Plus our good friends at Demolition Force every Monday, go ahead and give them a shot as well for some great tabletop RPG action. But continuing on with RPGs, we're going to talk about one that you like and then one from a company you like coming up right now. We'll start off with the one that you like the most that's coming out here in the not-too-distant future in Diablo 4. 
Yes. You want to talk about some things that were mentioned recently this week about Diablo 4 on its way to being released in June. Well, and really, uh, you know, what I what I saw, Gerald, was really just a snapshot of what I'm sure is a much bigger picture. But the quote that I read and the one that has stuck with me since I read that because I have a horrible memory is players can expect multiple meaty story downloadable content. <laughs> A.K.A. we want you to spend extra money. I don't mind paying for extra content because I know how long I've held on to Diablo 3. And if I get that kind of life and that kind of time out of Diablo 4, I'm going to be a happy customer. Well, there you go. And th that's going to make you a happy customer and a lot of people a happy customer. As long as it you can see the value in it. Yeah. That's all I'm asking is that mm -hmm. if you can see the value on it, then there's no problem tacking on with... Uh, other stuff that you can as long as the main base of it is a good value go ahead and tack on all the dlc or microtransactions that you want then it becomes up to the consumer if they want after fulfilling themselves out on a grand main adventure so we'll see when it comes to diablo 4 looking really forward to that but the other rpg i wanted to talk to you about to you today is something that was showcased off at playstation's latest state of play which is all about final fantasy 16 which is always a sense it's always a source of humor for me as i uh, you know longtime listeners and viewers of this show have probably surmised my jokes with final fantasy fan josh peterson my good friend when we talk about the timeline of Final Fantasy, because it jumps all over the place and then they can't get it straight as far as Final Fantasy, uh, uh, let's say a number X plus, you know, X2, you know, it's going to be a second. Why didn't you just make it 11 instead of X2? And then, yeah, it just, there's like, okay, what's this one Final Fantasy about as opposed to what this Final Fantasy is about? Final Fantasy 7, then you have Final Fantasy Tactics, you have all these add-ons in the Final Fantasy world instead of making it a cohesive, numerical, easy-to-follow series. It's just like all over the place. Final Fantasy 16, though, looks really good for the latest state of play. It's probably going to be very popular. It is something that, again, is going to be very PlayStation-centric, which should make you happy, you PlayStation <laughs> fan. Your thoughts on Final Fantasy 16 as it heads to the PlayStation in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I think that I really have just been uh, a little too preoccupied with uh, Diablo games because Final Fantasy is one. I think I might have played like the opening scene of Final Fantasy when I was 17. I don't know what version that would put me at, um, but... Um, you know, so, so it, final, you said you played Final Fantasy seven or when you were seven. Yeah, I mean, and that was that was a pretty rough estimate. Uh, my okay. sister was much more of a Final Fantasy fan than I was. I can't put an exact time on that. Well, I will say though that Final Fantasy games, this one in particular, they're all over the map as far as success. But I really think that this one looks good. Uh, I saw that the story is developing quite nicely. It's going to come out though at a time where you will be very conflicted because you'll be knee deep in Diablo 4 when this comes out on June 22nd, I think, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, June 22nd. So are you ever going to be able to get a chance to try Final Fantasy 16 when it gets released sometime later this year in June 22nd? 
Myself, no. I'm just going to double down on Diablo. It will probably be probably the only video game I buy this year, realistically speaking. It's probably the one that if I have any free time or Robbie and I have any free time and we decide to spend that on a video game, we'll spend it on Diablo. Um, maybe even still coming back to Diablo 3. I don't know. Yeah, the, I mean, the Final Fantasy stuff definitely has uh, its, uh, its rabid fan base. Those who like it, like it a lot. The way that this one looks and the stuff, the way that they were talking about it, uh, it does sound like it, it's going to be a, a pretty legit hit for uh, for the Final Fantasy series. It looks really good. I will give yeah. it that. And, you know, it just seems like, though, very intimidating because if you're going to step into this world, are you going to also step into the world of the Final Fantasy VII remake first? Uh, I it just... There's so many things. If you have not, like, you have not stepped into the Final Fantasy world for quite some time, I haven't stepped into it very much at all myself. Mm -hmm. So stepping into it now seems very intimidating because there's so many Final Fantasy games. I mean, if you go look on Wikipedia and that gives you the list of the Final Fantasy games that have been released, you're talking about so many different ones that are out there that it's just absolutely mind-boggling as far as the you know how in the sequence because they jump back and forth on numbers all throughout these years they've jumped back and forth so it's not gone sequentially so it's really hard to say and it's not one co overall overarching cohesive story so, on top of that so really it's like the fast and furious of video games where in the hell do i start well, that's the beauty of something like this that is so disjointed and so broken up. It doesn't matter where you jump in. It only matters that you jump in and you experience. And perhaps that intrigues you enough to go back and, and pick up Final Fantasy, I don't know, 12 and see what that was all about. Go back and, and pick up one of the ones that weren't numbered, the ones that you were talking about earlier, uh, and see what that was all about. It's the same with um, if you're going to and please just follow me for a second. Let's say, you know what? I've just heard about this author. Her name is Danielle Steele. And I know that she has hundreds of books. And I know that some of them are like tied together. I know that some of them are not, but I'm not going to let all of that intimidate me. I'm just going to look for the one that I think is interesting. And I'm going to start at that book. It doesn't matter if you start in the middle of when she was writing, or if you pick something up that's more recent, or you go all the way back and grab that debut novel. It doesn't matter so much. It only matters that you jump in and you give it a shot. And I think that that's, you can equate that to the Final Fantasy series. I, I think it's the same kind of concept. Or if you were going to pick up like a Stephen King novel, I don't think that you need to read those sequentially. They're each an individual story, and some no, of them no, connect. Some, are, some, are, some connect to each other. Right. Some connect, and you know, it's the same thing. You can jump in, read a little bit about it, and if it's talking about a character that seems like somebody that you're supposed to know, when you finish that book, you can always go back and pick up another one, and see how they connect that there's nothing wrong with jumping in with right now and see what it's about and if you like it go back and pick up more there's nothing wrong with that you don't have to do things in order all of the time I you know gerald you really don't come on no you really don't <laughs> i just right now again as i told you before in the past i used to run a video game store and again yeah. i dabbled into it a little bit but looking behind me on the wall of Final Fantasy, because we stack things based off alphabetically, and looking even at that time in 2007, 2008, the number of Final Fantasy games that were already out by that time was very intimidating. And it's been, you can double and triple the amount now since then, all these years later, 15 years later, and you see 
that Final Fantasy is just all over the place. So the one thing I don't really see that much is anybody that streams it out there saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and tackle the Final Fantasy franchise. I don't see anybody saying, you know what, uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and play one of the games instead. I, I'm not, I don't think the franchise, I think that would take way too long. Well, that's what I mean, though, right? If you did just pick up one game and you played it, you were like, yeah, it's it's cool. It's fine. Whatever. Then you, you're you now part of the Final Fantasy conversation. All that you needed was that sample to, you know, say I enjoyed the game, but I'm not going to go back and pick up the rest of them. It, it didn't interest me that much. Then that's totally fine. You don't have to play every single game in a series in order to be part of the conversation. And I think it's silly uh, to expect that out of people. One thing I do want to ask you before we head to the break, my friend, mm -hmm. and that is with Final Fantasy. Okay, when it finally comes out in June 22nd, yeah, you're going to see some PlayStation advertising for it because, you know, to make it that exclusive PlayStation atmosphere or basically it's going to be heavily promoted on the PlayStation platform, you're going to see a lot of PlayStation commercials leading up to it for the Final Fantasy brand. And gamers are aware of it, even those who haven't tried it, but do you think that it can achieve a level of success similar to what we've seen from some, not all, but some previous Final Fantasy games here in the States, in Europe? Because we know it's going to be huge in Japan because that game has such a core and such a base in Japan as far as that loves that game so much. Do you think it will find success in other areas of the world when it comes out in June? I don't see why it couldn't. I mean, the, the stuff that I was looking at all looked fantastic. You know, it, the large part of our conversation has been about, you know, do I have to go play Final Fantasy 1 to be able to play the latest? To me, the answer is no. So if you're looking at this one and it seems like something that you want to try, absolutely do that. And if you decide that, you know, maybe I do want to take on the Final Fantasy franchise, then by all means, uh, there are a lot of people out there who are going to give you a lot of advice on, you know, even the order of the games that you and how you should play them and, and all of that kind of stuff. So and really what I find is a lot of the times when you're talking about these big franchises like this, uh, there will be an amount of gatekeeping involved. But I find it's more and more becoming uh, a much more open armed oh my God, you're new and you've never played this before. Come here and let me tell you all of the things that I know about it because this is my favorite thing and I just love to talk about it. Um, and I think that old fans embracing new fans is going to be a big part of the success for it. And I think that uh, just the playability of the game and how it looks and whether or not it's a good story to play uh, will be all factors that have to be considered for the game as well. Well, the style of play also affected as well because you yeah. know Final Fantasy for so much of its time has been a turn-based little bit slower action per se than some of the modern RPGs because the modern RPG where you're basically doing everything on the fly and you're basically, you know, moving up your skill trees and inventory, you know, basically in menus, but you're still able to go ahead and consistently move throughout the adventure and experience and interact with the adventure on a concurrent moving basis as opposed to a a you know okay you meet up with this uh individual that is going to take you out or these individuals are going to take you out and it's then it becomes your turn my turn my turn. it's actually for turn-based it's actually you have to love it you have to love that style of play i've never really enjoyed that style of play at that much 
which has always been a very hard reach for me. And in the recent years, Final Fantasy has tried to really close that gap and make it a little bit more accessible to a audience that loves the first person shooter, that loves the third person action year, that loves those action games. They've tried to make it more and more accessible to those gamers. Hopefully with Final, Final Fantasy 16, they can go ahead and finally bridge the gap entirely and create a fully fledged action RPG that satisfies both audiences. Yeah, and uh, you know, all, all that we can do is wait and see what's going to happen uh, when the game finally does drop. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the turn-based RPG stuff, yeah, you're right, it, it can be a little slow. And I immediately went to thinking about, you know, combat in games like D&D. Because that's all turn-based. You have your oh, that's in... live. That's different. Yeah, but you, you, yeah, but it's friends. it's not it's not if you're playing a barbarian. You don't even have to be paying attention. You can be yeah, playing on your is, phone okay, and go, well, oh that, right, hang on. Well, let's talk about the first time we met up in playing Demolition Force. Yes, all those years ago. I ripped and a door off play... and just used it as a shield. So, so so while Robbie would take 15 minutes trying to figure <laughs> out his next move, we would all make jokes and and interact on the side. Huh while he's doing it or plan out our next moves together or talk about it together and, and try and get Roger mad at us together while we were trying to do that. You know, who's the DM <laughs> here. You don't have that luxury. It's just you in front of a screen with a console contro control with a controller in your hand. And you're basically waiting for the next move or waiting for the computer to go ahead and calculate out its mm -hmm. move. And then you're calculating out your next move and back and forth. Some people are really into that because it's almost like a, a video game form of chess. Yes, absolutely. But for, but for a generation, younger generation that's into Fortnite and into action games now, and they have been playing it for, you know, action games like this for well over a decade. In some cases, you can go all the way back to the dawn of the first person shooters in the 90s. You know, this is something that, that again, Final Fantasy has to understand and bring to is that if it wants to get a larger base of fans and not just the Final Fantasy hardcores, they have to provide an even flow of the game in order to go ahead and maybe access a new and wider audience. Yeah, well, let's hope that they that uh, they have found a way to uh, speed things up a little bit and, and make it feel a little more uh, cohesive. Because what I'm hearing is the, the issue is that it feels disjointed, right, when you're in combat? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, because you, you're all of a sudden you're going around, even you know, with all the different Final Fantasy games, you're going around, you 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 find a storyline plot, or you find a, you meet meet up for a a confrontation with monster monsters, bad guy, bad guys, what have you. Then all of a sudden the game stops and reverse into okay, you do this to get you know a hit of however many points. They do the same, they miss or they hit back and forth until one individual or your other individual is is defeated that to me has never really appealed to me a hundred percent because of the fact I'm, i was brought up on on whether it's you know the old atari games which were all action based for me arcade games which are all action based for me then i grew up in the 80s and 90s when again first person shooters became you know a thing those were all action based then I got into third-person shooters. You see Mass Effect and Uncharted behind me. It all been action-oriented consistently. The game flow has always been there. And with Fa Final Fantasy, it's a style of play that people that love it, absolutely love it, but people that don't want to approach it are absolutely fearful of it.
Well, let me put it this way. I don't play Call of Duty because I don't like first-person shooters. I'm not good at them. I never have been. Um, so having an option like a Final Fantasy game, which gives me a second, <laughs> might be the sauce that I need. Well, there you go. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, different strokes for different folks. But I know that in order for it to advance and grow the Final Fantasy series, it might have to go ahead. At least one of its many versions try to revert to something different and see how it goes from there. Yeah, just do maybe just find a way to even tighten things up would make it feel like it was moving a lot faster. Yeah, but Melinda, you know, with all the Final Fantasies about you can you could save like a Final Fantasy 18 or Final Fantasy 23 or Final Fantasy 14-2 or whatever you want to go ahead and say and you could you could make it a you know a fully action adventure game from there and leave the standard role-playing stop motion whatever you want to say that those type of games for final fantasy that people are traditional final fantasy fans are into you could always say that it's predominant but always leave one for everyone else sure i i, I hear what you're saying i i get it but you know i also think if it's just not your thing it's also just not your thing it doesn't have to be your thing and, you know, Final Fantasy obviously has still been making gobs of money and now they have a new game to come out where they're going to be able to get gobs of more money. So if it ain't broke, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how well it's doing when it comes out on June 22nd and see if it adapts to a new audience. But what are your thoughts on Final Fantasy 16 as it heads its way to consoles? The PlayStation. Go ahead and share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, a couple more little tidbits before we head on out. Uh, one of them I did want to mention that our friends at Retro City Games are running a trade event, so they are upping the ante upping the value so if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas 70 percent trade-in value mm. so if you got something you want to trade in they've got a ton of stuff at both their locations on the strip and in henderson go ahead and check out retro city games today but that is only through this weekend that you're listening to us through the 16th of april so go ahead and check it out asap but before we head on out, my friend, the Marvel's trailer dropped for later this year. The movie's coming out. It was actually bumped back for later this year. It actually showcases Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury once again. So it looks like he doesn't die in Secret Invasion. Or if he does, he gets replaced by a scroll or what have you. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, you know, he's dealing with the Marvels with Kamala Khan you also have Monica Rambeau and then, of course, Carol Danvers. They're all switching places because of what's going on with the powers that they have until they all come together at the same place at the same time to go ahead and fight whatever evil that they have to go ahead and fight, whether it's a Kree, whether it's uh, the scrolls, uh, whatever they have to face off against. 
that wasn't made entirely clear, but I think it is the Cree homeworld that they go to to go ahead and and uh, you know as far as what their mission takes them this time around, where all three are are connected and all together working as a team, even though they are of course in true movie you know fashion, they are reluctant to do so at first. Your thoughts on the Marvels and how it looked for you when the first trailer dropped earlier this week? I thought it looked cute. And I thought it looked age appropriate uh, for having a younger actor in the movie. So keep that in mind when you watch it. I think that that's an important piece of the of the movie. And uh, no, it, it just looks like a, a fun kick butt movie. Hopefully that will get, by that time, the Marvel Cinematic Universe a little bit more solidified, of course, with what happened with Jonathan Majors. We don't know what the, the status yeah. long-term of that is. Still like this cloud hanging over. It's the first time any real cloud has hung over the MCU like this, especially for someone who they built up and that they've extended this whole phase around him and what he's going to be doing as Kang. So, those questions will remain, but the Marvels does look good, and that's got to tie in to the Kang dynasty in some form or fashion. But with all the stuff coming up from Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, that is is on the way, including what we saw already in the trailer with Secret Invasion, are you excited at least a little about what's coming up for the MCU? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm going to be very picky and very choosy um, about it, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I, I am looking forward to seeing what they continue to roll out for us. And, uh, you know, if this phase is a little bit shaky, then, you know, this phase is a little bit shaky. It, it was one of those things where it's just it's so big that eventually it's going to have to come down in size a little bit. And maybe that's what we're going to see with this phase. But, you know, who who's can say for sure? Um, I think that uh, the Marvels looks like a pretty cute movie. I don't think it's going to do, you know, top box office stuff. I don't, I'm not anticipating that right now with the teaser trailer that I saw. That's such a ridiculous mm -hmm. thing for me to say, because I really do believe in just wait until the movie comes out and then make your decision about it. But I think that it's going to have the, the Marvel humor. We saw some of that in the trailer, which is an important piece to a Marvel movie. If it doesn't have at least one or two guffaws in it or, or lame jokes, then is it really a Marvel movie? Um, and uh, I think that it's, it looks silly enough that it's going to be fun for kids who are going to go see this because of um, Kamala Khan. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. My goodness. With her in it, I think that it, it, the movie is going to skew younger. And I think that that is the, the correct move uh, again, you know, uh, with an actress of that age uh, in this movie, I, I think that that's cor the correct way to do it. I'm looking forward to it. Also Marvel, can you please do more with the werewolves? Because that was really cool. I can't even remember what it was called right now, but Werewolf by Night. Man, that was cool. That was really neat and a really interesting break from the usual superhero stuff. It was just really good. If you haven't seen it, please give it some time. It's really good. It is really good. I think it's one of the few success stories from the last phase was yeah. Werewolf by Night. I have a feeling Kevin Feige is aware of that. And I think you will see more from that universe coming up in the not too distant future, but we'll wait and see. I mean, Blade, they, they are getting more stars attaching to this production. So Blade looks like it's starting to gain momentum. So we'll see, but it is the Marvels. The first trailer dropped and you can catch it today on pop culture cosmos on Facebook. So please let us know your thoughts. Are you excited for the Marvels coming out later this year? 
please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. But before we head on out, Netflix, one of their biggest successes of all time, already in their all-time top 10 with over 500 million hours watched. Millions. I almost sound like Austin Powers and, and you know, Dr. Evil. 500 million hours. <laughs> but that's The Night Agent. The Night Agent has reached Netflix's top 10, 10 episodes right there for you. It's a huge hit on Netflix. It is, I think, for a one-time deal where there wasn't a clear-cut show, series, or movie that had to be a had-to-watch Netflix program this first part of 2023, Netflix has been able to get away with that by putting out put out some stuff that people were connecting with there was a big risk for them about losing a ton of subscribers but it looks like with the night agent and the blossoming careers of gabriel basso and lucian buchanan it looks like they've created not only some new stars but a new hit as well yeah and i randomly uh have watched this we burned through it in an evening it was just mm -hmm you know, lay on the couch and watch some TV kind of night. And uh, yeah, we, we went through the whole thing. It was okay. It was, you know, it, it scratched the itch of entertainment and, and that kind of stuff. I can't remember exactly what we talked about when the, as the show was going on, but I just remember thinking, gosh, there are a couple of things that I would have done differently. I'm not saying it would have been better, my gosh, by any stretch, but uh, there were some things that I had kind of problems with as the story was going, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was all pretty minor. Is it fun to watch? Absolutely. Is it, uh, is it must-see television? Depends on your mood. It's definitely a show that I'm glad to see Netflix have some success on. It will encourage them again to take risks on some of these quote-unquote smaller projects. I enjoyed it when I watched it. Well, there you go. <laughs> if you have thoughts on The Night Agent, and all the espionage and all the great things that are going on with that series on Netflix as it becomes one of the top 10 shows of all time on that platform. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Great show, my friend. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes. Now that uh, Vampires in Vitae has been tucked away for a couple of months while we uh, recollect and redirect ourselves into uh, season three, new vampires, new stories, all the, all the whole thing. Um, I am working diligently on uh, bringing Wizards and Wine back up to where it ought to be in terms of the podcast releases. Um, I'm almost done an episode right now, so we're going to finish this. I'm going to go back to editing and there should be a new episode on platforms tonight. Editing podcasts are so easy. Oh, my no God, problem. Yeah. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, Just take four yeah. hours of audio and make it cohesive and take out all of the fart jokes. Exactly. <laughs> so yes. Half the time I'm taking out fart jokes. What is that about? And, and for every one hour of this show, it takes me two to three hours to edit. So, you know, it's a snap. It's a breeze. So easy. So easy. Come on. Come on. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross... This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great